Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera. And I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Hey, it's great to be here. Oh, yeah. Every week, God is faithful, isn't he? Oh, man. Week in and so week what, out. what episode is this? This is episode 111. 111. That's right. Three ones. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, consistency is key in life and in podcasting. So our first season, we had like 7,300 podcast listens. That's correct. R- roughly, about 7,300. That's right. And now we're at... Almost eleven thousand. Almost this, for this uh, well, season. like ten thousand five hundred or something like that. Um, I, you know, I don't know the exact number, but I'm 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 thinking it's somewhere around. There. We can look it up. It's, it's it's yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and look that up for us if it'll come up. Yeah, uh, it will. It will. So while he's looking that up, a uh, couple things. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, uh, I would love to hear from you. If this is uh, your first time listening to our podcast, then welcome to the podcast. We are all about Christians with Torah. CWTs. That's right, CWTs. We're we're teaching the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, and uh, we're showing people that the Torah is uh, it's relevant for today, and it's relevant to our daily lives, and it's it doesn't have to be uh, either bondage or a bunch of hidden meanings or anything like that. You can, you can read it at face value, apply it to your life, and live a better, more prosperous life, closer to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, with Messiah Yeshua, all of the above. And so because of the lawless one is coming. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. We're living in lawless the times. The lawless one is coming. That's right. So if you want to reach out to me, you can get me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, Ryan at topraise.net. Uh, you can also check out our website where you can uh, check out our current events here at, uh, at the congregation if you're local to us. Uh, you can also live stream our services on our website, and you can also donate on our website. So those of you that have been giving, thank you so much for your faithfulness. We really appreciate it, uh, helping us get the word out. Um, we cannot do it without your giving, so we greatly appreciate you guys for doing that. Uh, I also want to tell you guys that we are coming up to the season of Teshuvah. Now, um, you'll hear Teshuvah most commonly referred to within Jewish circles as the 10 days of awe, the 10 days from Yom Teruah or uh, the Rosh Hashanah, the Day of Trumpets, right? That's one day. That's the beginning of Tishri to um, the 10th day of Tishri, which is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And so, uh, but... The, the whole season of Teshuvah includes the month of Elul, which is that month leading up to the fall feast. And so Teshuvah literally means return, uh, with that root word shuv in it, um, which means to turn. And the idea is that we're returning to God. We're turning back to God. We're getting our hearts right, and we're getting ready to enter into the fall feasts. The gates open on Rosh Hashanah, on, on uh, Yom Teruah, and they close on Yom Kippur. And so the idea here, also during the month of Elul that we're coming up to, is that the king is in the field. What does that mean? It means that the king is out with the people. Uh, our king, obviously, Yeshua. He's accessible. That he's accessible, exactly right. That Before you can... he goes and sits on the throne and judges. That's right. So that, that he's going out, he's checking out what's going on with the people. And so it's important that we remember that uh, this is not about do's and don'ts. This is about a relationship with our Savior, our King, our Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. And so um, one of the things that we do here at Beit Tehillah is we do a Daniel fast for the first three weeks of Elul. So from Elul 1 all the way to Elul 21, uh, this f- happens to fall this year at sundown on August 31st. 
um, if you're a Hebrew or at midnight on September 1st, if you're a Greek. Uh, we do have a rule here, though. You, you can't start as a Hebrew. I mean, you can start as a Hebrew and end as a Greek, but you can't start as a Greek and end as a Hebrew. It's that's, just, uh, that's good, Ryan. Yeah. It's about a four-hour difference. It is. It is. And the idea is, you know, you Which don't want to... fine. You know, at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want, whatever the God leads you to. Day begins at sundown, but like I said, if you want to go at midnight, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think... I do the midnight thing. I know you do. I do the Hebrew I'll thing. I'll be honest. I do midnight. I do sundown. Yeah. I stick to midnight all the way around. Yeah. And that doesn't make me more righteous than you, but you might feel that way. No, I don't. <laughs> so... Uh, one quick shout out before we get started on the tour portion. Uh, Dick and Jane Prue uh, have been traveling up and down the East Coast and listening to our podcast. They are uh, seasonal members of Vape Tehila when they're down here at their, uh, I think it's their winter home. And so we just wanted to tell you guys, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. I did get your email and I do appreciate the fact that you guys are listening and keeping up with, uh, with your Hebrew roots while you're on the road. Love you guys. All right, just a reminder for everyone that we are in the book of Deuteronomy. This, of course, is a book of remembrance. And uh, keep this uh, in context that, simply put, these are the last words of a dying man, a man that's not going into the land of Israel, a man whose successor is Joshua. And this story, this particular book, takes place within about a month. That's right. So that's pretty incredible with all these chapters, 34 chapters. Uh, We have five key words found in the book of Deuteronomy. We have remember. Obey, blessing, curse, and covenant. So once again, re- remember, obey, blessing, curse, and covenant in this book of remembrance. And it's, of course, broken up into four parts. Remembrances of the past is chapters 1 through chapters 4. And then we have, of course, commandments for the present, uh, chapter 4 and verse 44, all the way through chapter 26. Once again, commandments for the present. And then, of course, chapters 27 through 30 is options affecting the future. And then last but not least, the parting words of Moses, chapter 31 through 34. So once again, the book of Deuteronomy is broken up into four parts. You know, uh, Ryan, the uh, book of Numbers is broken up into three parts. And then, of course, Leviticus is two parts. So that's, that's right. actually two, three, four. That's a little sequence of a, of a storyline here. So yep. without further ado, we're going to get right into Ekev, the heel of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12, all the way through chapter 11, verse 25. And Ryan's going to kick it off with Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 12 through 19. Here's the caption, blessed above all people. That's right. Here we blessed go. Blessed above all people. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kind, and uh, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people." There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, uh, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay lay, lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them, neither shalt thou serve their gods, for that will be a snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are, are more than I, how can I dispossess them? 
Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt well remember what the Lord thy God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt, the great temptations which thine eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the stretched out arm, whereby the Lord thy God brought thee out. So shall the Lord thy God do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Wow, boy, God's got your back. They they kind of brought that up in the. Uh, they did. He's got your six. You know, and and I and now that I, I've read it again, it makes perfect sense when someone's sharing it. It's like, oh, where is that? But yeah, he, he he's got our back. God's got our back. Uh, so once again, we have, of course, uh, three things uh, in in ways that the Lord would bless His people. Three things: if they would keep His covenant, uh, He'd bless the womb, the land, and the livestock, uh, the cattle and the sheep. You know, and so think about that. Uh, if, if we keep the covenant, uh, we, we get his blessing, you know. Blessing, uh, you know, is actually a part of obedience. So obedience brings the blessing. Remember that, everyone. It's real simple, okay? Uh, and of course, in Deuteronomy seven fourteen, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Now, this is interesting, you know, uh, that there would be lots of children, Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and this comes to mind as well as we want to do, go back and reflect a little bit, uh, just so we all understand. Um, and it says right here, because uh, it says right here, you know, it, it sounds like a hierarchy or so. Is this favoritism? Thou shalt be blessed above all people. Now, is that the Lord saying this? Because check this out. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. Well, Why? If you keep his covenant. Wow. So in other words, God says, this is the covenant which I make with you, right? Keep and do it, and then you'll be blessed. Right. So it's, then why yeah. are you blessed above all people? Because you keep his covenant. That's right. And isn't that what you want? And then you can share your blessings with others. Look at look at 19.5 of Exodus. This is so complicated. Exodus 19.5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Oh, yeah. For all the earth is mine. So he's setting this up. You know, how high do you want to go with God? How far do you want to go with God? There's no limit. It's a buffet with God, you know, and just like that word uh, treasure or peculiar treasure, those two words together is the Hebrew word segula. We've talked about this. It means to shut up. It means like he's holding you in his hand. He's not wearing you as a ring or a bracelet or a, or a necklace. He is, uh, or even cufflinks, like gold cufflinks, you know, fancy little jewels. He, uh, he has you in his hand. And I like that that verse that talks about nobody can snatch you out of his hand. That's right. So segula is a very special treasure. Once you understand that, your low self-esteem will go away. And also that that's how much he loves you and cares for you. That's right. He's madly in love with you. You know, we've, we've broken the covenant long enough. It's time to renew it and be obedient. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting also is uh, we were talking in the group and you know, if you if you grew up in like a non-denominational church or uh, you know a prosperity-driven church or um, a word of faith you know congregation, something along those lines, then the idea of an if-then scenario, where if I do this, then I get that with God, doesn't necessarily sound like uh, it's real kosher, right? But I want to encourage you because I think that what happens to us is that we don't quite we don't quite jump in there and understand exactly how this works. Obedience doesn't bring the blessing just because God wants to reward his people, right? Uh, or that if you don't obey him, that you get punished. But it's, it's built in, it's intrinsic, that God has ways. These are the better ways. There's blessing within these better ways. 
Um, you know, for example, eating clean, everybody knows that eating clean is better for you. So when you don't eat clean and something happens, who's, who, do you blame God at that point that God is punishing you? Do you feel like you're being punished or cursed, so to speak? Uh, I don't think so. I think that you feel like maybe I did this to myself. And I think that's where um, I kind of make the distinction between the two, because I think that it's, it's, important, it's important to do that. Um, it's important to understand that, that God's not just up there waiting to, to reward or punish people based on what they do, that we have put on Christ, and those of us that are in Christ were the seed of Abraham and heirs according to his promises. Those promises are promises that God made, and the reason that God is fulfilling them is because of his word, not because of our righteousness or something that we do. The issue with, with the keeping the commandments is a holiness issue, right? It's good for us. We are setting ourselves apart so that we can be clean and good and holy in front of God to be able to participate in his work, just like the priests had to be in a status of, of, of cleanliness right. in order to participate in his work. You know, and, and once again, you know, uh, if God's people obeyed the covenant, there would be no sickness among them. You know, we have to do our part. We have to take care of our temples, you know. But it says that right here, there would be no sickness among God's people if they obeyed the covenant. So just like by his stripes, we are healed. There's a healer in the house. His name is Yeshua. He healed yesterday. He's going to heal today and the nation's tomorrow. Uh, you know, and so once again, we, we believe that. Uh, and in regards to that, you know, when you have the purposes of God before you and the promises and, and, the, and the inheritance and you're, you're moving towards it, you know, uh, it's interesting that the Lord was going to send the hornet among the enemies of Israel that hide themselves from thee. So it, it's kind of interesting, you know, how they have these tunnels in Israel from Gaza to try to bring harm to, to the Jewish people. And, and they find them and they blow them up and all these interesting things, you know. Uh, there was a story about uh, this guy had this wheat field. And, uh, of course, you know, he, he, he had the wheat field. And unbeknownst to him... Uh, there was a tunnel coming up in the middle of his wheat field. But what happened is they had harvested the wheat the day before, right? Earlier. Yeah. And so when these guys came up out of the tunnel, there was nothing protecting them. Whoops. <laughs> and they nailed them. They took them out. You can actually see this as public records. It is. They took them out. You actually, there's video of them taking them out. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So, so all I'm saying is that that reminds me that, you know, you could try to hide and bring harm. God's going to uncover it. You know, how many times did they uncover how, how these terrorists were going to bring harm to the Jewish people. Absolutely. And they uncover it, and they discover it, and they find it. So, so think about that. That's very interesting. You know, we can't hide from God. Uh, and so the Lord thy God was going to put out the nations little by little for his people, you know. Uh, little by little, put out the nations for his people, little by little. So that's how things happen, you know, as we are being delivered and set free from things. It's little by little. It's linear. You know, we, we go back to our childhood, and we just think about all these things that happened to us in our life. And God just slowly but surely... Uh, brings healing to each one of those uh, events in, in our life and stuff and habits. So he will be, truly deliver us. Um, now the children of Israel were to burn with fire all the graven images. Uh, Deuteronomy 7.25. Remember now, this is kind of something to, to give you a, a, a picture. Plant a picture in your mind that um, when you worship idols, you're worshiping demons because they want you to worship these idols. Yeah. You know, uh, whatever it is, idolatry is, is demon worship, you know, when you think about it. Because you're not, you, you, you're violating one of the commandments, you know, not to, to, to worship these images and not to, to make graven images as well. Uh, whatever you give your strength to, whatever you get your strength from is considered idolatry. You know, I like college football, you know. But if I'd rather be home on Saturday watching college football than being with the congregation 
I would say that would that would actually be idolatry. It's not that you can't like college football, but it's the point of are you going to uh, make the right decision, have your priorities straight, you know. Um, I used to be able to, like, record them because I had cable. Now I can't even record them. So once they play, that's it. That was my chance, you know. Aww. So it, it's just just an example for some of you listening that like sports or whatever. Uh, the decisions that we all have to make, you know. Uh, I want my heart towards God. I'd rather be here um, in the church with the congregation. So I, ha- I have a question a for you. Do you love college football or Jesus more? I love Jesus more. See, this is easy decisions. It's true, but you yeah. got to prove it. That's right. Well, and uh, what well, did Jesus say? Yeah. You know, love me if you love me. Oh, you love me. Why don't yeah. you keep my commandments? Why don't you do what I'm telling you to do? Yeah. So I've got I've got a couple of verses from Galatians that I feel like are relevant to to some of this when it comes to um, to how how the status quo has changed and not changed, right? And so uh, I'm in Galatians three. I'm going to start at uh, verse twenty four, and it says here, "Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith." And this this section is talking about Abraham and how he was uh, imputed with righteousness because of his faith. And so it says, "But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all children of God by faith in Jesus in Christ Jesus. For as many of you." as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither, uh, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You probably heard us quote that verse, verse 29 a lot, in reference to well, what promises, and then going back to Genesis uh, 12 and so on, and finding the promises of the land, of the multiplication of the seed, uh, into scattering into many nations. So starting in chapter 4, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. It's not of the Torah, but under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? And then it goes on to you deserve you, you observe days and years and times. So talking about pagan practices. So turning away from the idols, we all have idols in our lives when we come to Christ. And it says here to burn them with fire. Now, you read through this, and I think a lot of people take these verses out of context to say that we're not supposed to be keeping Torah. But how much more responsible is a son for the way of life that the king is is putting out to the people than a servant, right? The servant has to do it, right, because he's a servant. But now that you're a son, you are now part of the family that is, uh, you know, sending forth the commandments of the king. And so how much more do you need to be above reproach, and how much more do you need to be keeping the ways of God? It's, it's very important. And so the last thing here, verse 11 says, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. That that just like the golden calf incident, they get the, the knowledge of God, 
but then they go and they look for some way of worshiping him that God didn't give them. You know, one of the, the big ideas in, in, in all of the Torah is this idea of getting away from idolatry. We all slip in to idolatry. What is it, Pastor? You always quote uh, John Bevere, it is, that, you know, idolatry is whatever you give your strength to, whatever you're getting your strength from. That's it. That's good. Burn it with fire. Now, if it's not something physical, like it's not an actual idol, like a, a Buddha statue or a Shiva statue or whatever that's in, in your house that is an heirloom or whatever that you literally can't burn, although if you have those things, I vote burn them. Um, but if there's something else in your life that's keeping you from, from God and hearing His voice and keeping His covenant, then you, you need to get rid of it, get it out of your life, renounce it, pray the Holy Spirit to help you. Um, because hearing God's voice and keeping His covenant is the only thing uh, that's going to get you through. And, and we can only hear His voice because of the Holy Spirit, and we only have the Holy Spirit because of His Son. That's good, that's good. You know, as, as we move from chapter 7 to chapter 8, uh, we have to remember God's commandments. And then, of course, uh, here's a great question in Deuteronomy 8.3. What other thing is man to live by besides bread? The answer is... Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Another little study you can do in the book of Deuteronomy or even in the Torah is to find your cross-references. Uh, so I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1-4 through 4 in regards to this particular verse. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord besides bread. This is what we are to live by. You know, so here, here it is. There's no opinions. Hey, you know what I think? Hey, you know what Bob said? And uh, well, here's our consensus. No, what does the Lord say? Thus saith the Lord. The Lord wills. The Lord wills. Check this out. Matthew chapter four. Let's look at this reference here. Uh, chapter one. No, chapter four, verse one. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, this is Yeshua's response, It is written, wow, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth <laughs> of God. So listen up, everybody. When God tells us what is clean and unclean, what we can eat and can't eat, that is thus saith the Lord. That's right. When the Lord says, these are my feasts, those are his feasts. Keep them. It's that simple. Right. So if people are challenging you or calling you out, it's not that you're any better than anybody. It's not that you're being judgmental. You're simply saying, hey, this is what I believe. This is what God is showing me through his word that he wants me to do. And, and I want you to think about this. If the father gives some instructions, I don't think the son is going to go against the father. Yeshua well, he, he was for always... Sure, he, not only does he, do we assume that, he says, I can only tell you what the father tells that's me. That's right. So he's not going to tell you something different. Like, oh, right. that's my mean old father, and I'm the good son. I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, I'm a cool dude. No, it's, it's not going to work that way. So, so let's, let's continue on here. So, so what two things did not happen to the children of Israel while they, while they were in the wilderness 40 years? Uh, well, their their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. Boy, I tell you, that's incredible. Can yeah. you imagine that? That would be awesome for my family. That's amazing. If the clothes didn't wear out, every year it's new school clothes. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Oh, I that. need some cleats. I need this. I'm like, man, if we were only in the wilderness. I know. So anyway, the following are the seven species Israel would find in the land that they could eat. Here they are. Wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. These are the seven species Israel would find in the land and they would eat. So once again, wheat, 
barley, vines or grapes, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. And wow. I believe that, that honey is the date salon, right? The, the date syrup? Well, yeah, I mean, um, it could be. It could be, it yeah. Could, it could be, but I'm yeah. just saying that, you know, it's interesting that uh, there are, in Judea and Samaria, some uh, business establishments there. The Jewish people are, are settling there and creating business opportunities. Uh, and so Lev HaAlam puts out a box every month that you can purchase of some of these products. And uh, it's been brought to my attention, even through listening to a couple of podcasts or whatever, even having some of the honey itself, that they actually entered a contest. Oh, and one, and, yeah. And one. Best Honey Award. Yeah, they did. So, that's the. It's I forget the name. It starts with the. But anyway, it, it's, that's forms. pretty cool, you know. If you ask me, so you know, uh, we are to bless the Lord when we are full. Uh, that's that's actually a scripture in Deuteronomy eight ten. Uh, once again, we always forget about saying a prayer afterwards. So it's funny. It's like, so what's our normal prayer, right? Lord, bless this food yeah. to the nourishment of our body. Bless the hands that prepared it. Right. And so what God's saying, it, not that you can't do that. Those things are great, right? But what what's the prescribed here in the Torah? When you've, when you've eaten and you are full and you're satisfied, then you bless who? The Lord. And I do believe that the Jews have a prayer right before they eat or drink something too, but in recognition of the Father. They have but, a prayer for everything. But, but yeah, but, but I'm just saying that this is kind of interesting. Bless the Lord when we are full. Like, thank you, Father, for providing for me, you know, because we don't want to be ungrateful. That's the worst thing. Uh, the three things that the Lord did not want his people to forget are his commandments, judgments, and statutes. So Ryan, what'd you get out of that? Commandments, judgments, and statutes. Well, I got a couple of different things. I was, you know, I was pondering because you see this a lot in the Torah: commandments, judgments, and statutes. And it, it used to be that you read that and it's just kind of repetitive, right? If you're thinking in English, commandments, judgments, statutes, and it's kind of like the two houses, right? Judah and Ephraim, or Judah and Israel. Why is it saying Judah and Israel? Who are these two different groups? And why is it using two different names to describe them? And then you discover, oh, wait, there's a distinction between the two. Right. Right? Well, the same thing here, I was, I was kind of just considering it to myself and, and trying to figure out, and I want to go ahead and warn you, I don't know that I have the exact correct answer, but I'll give you my thoughts. So commandments in Hebrews is a mitzvah, or commandments in plural would be mitzvot, right? Uh, judgments being mishpah, or mishpatim, and then uh, the statutes being chukah. So when I, when I read over this and I thought commandments, okay, what's, what's a commandment? A commandment is an affirmative command. It's an affirmative direction. God says, do this. A teaching and instruction. Right. Something that he says, do this. And so that's something that, you know, if you think about in the military, somebody gives a command that you're supposed to go do this. What do you do? You go and you do that. When I thought about the judgments, I was thinking when God is choosing between something or he's looking at a specific scenario and he makes a judgment call, I believe that's what we're talking about when we say judgment, right? So you're you're following his commandments, you're following his judgments, and then his statutes. I thought I, when I was trying to figure out statutes in English, it gives me the idea that it's the it's the details, right? So that if you have an overarching command, and then there's the the details underneath that the statutes to go with it, right? The statutes to go. With, How about the statute of limitations? Yeah, I don't know about that. Is there a statute? Of, I don't think there's a statute of limitations. Not with in God. Here. No, I no. think the covenants are forever. They are. But uh, and so that's that's what I got from the commandments, judgments, and statutes. I was trying to figure out what what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts? No, on I think that? that's great. Uh, that's a great observation, Ryan. You know, my thing is, you know, there's a saying: judgment begins with the house of God. Uh, if we take that out of context, we think, oh my gosh, you know, he's going to judge me first. I, oh, this is scary. You know, right. it, but but when you keep it in context, I want you all to think about this. If judgment begins with the house of God, it means that we know how to rightly choose and make a verdict based upon God's word. By his spirit. Correct. Judgment's so, not so, a bad word. No. So so it's yeah. kind of like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, 
I think I think the jug rate will be stiffer for for us. But the bottom line is that, in, in keeping it in context, you know, having a good judgment, you know, like, oh, they don't have good judgment. You ever heard that? I have. Oh, they have poor judgment. So so you have to be a person of your word. You have to have integrity and character, and that's how you can render a good judgment. You know, do things in a biblical way. How should you handle things? And if something wasn't handled in a proper way, then you can ask for forgiveness. And that happens. That happens. So we're going to move on. We're still in chapter 8. And here's an incredible verse in Deuteronomy 8.18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Wow, you know, if you just stay close to God and everything, He'll provide. He'll give you exactly what you need. You know, uh, He'll give us the power to get wealth that He may establish His covenant. See, so all of our resources, Ryan at Beit Tehillah. That's why, for those of you that are listening and that you go online and you actually give, you know, we are trying to further the kingdom of God. Absolutely, we have an incredible community here that we want to build a strong community and raise of the next generation and share these things with our children as well and all of you that are listening. So once again, uh, give it the power to get wealth. You know, I think if anybody really applied themselves, they could be a millionaire in America. Oh, absolutely. It's just, the, the, it's, 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 I'm, know, I'm believing. I mean, it's just, uh, Don't it's a democracy. Believe and of course, you know, think about it, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not commerce, but it's entrepreneurship. You know, to be an entrepreneur, but what, what it's capitalism, capitalism, capitalism. You know, it's interesting. If you go back and study the Torah, there are um, three different classes of people. That's There's true. the upper class, the middle class and the poor, uh, just like three different offerings. So once again, uh, even, even in reference, I was just doing some of the Torah portion uh, uh, in another part of the scriptures, but it, it says that the poor you will always have. Make sure that you give to them and help them. That's right. The poor you will always have. Matter of fact, even so wait, Yeshua made reference you mean, to that. So, I mean, I, I guess we have the understanding Yeshua wrote the Torah, so we understand why this is not a new concept. But when Yeshua says, help the poor and, and the widow and the orphan, right. this is Torah concepts that he's given out. I'll, I just want to point out real quick also here in this verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. So remember, meaning remember him with your wealth, as in, oh, by the way, it's me that gives you the power to create wealth. Don't forget to make sure that you're, you're keeping my house in order, that you're building my house, that you're keeping building right. the kingdom. In other words, that you're sowing into the things that are building the kingdom of God, that you're giving to your local church, whatever congregation you're in, that you're sowing uh, into ministries, things like that. And it goes on to say... Uh... That the, the people would perish if they were not obedient to his voice. Yeah. And what does the scripture say? My people perish for lack of vision. That's right. You know, it's a paradigm. It's, it's seeing things, you know. So when I share with everyone in our congregation or with my friends or associates or whatever, hey, you know, I believe there's reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles right now. And we're, we want to be a part of that. So we have a vision for that. We see that. We understand it. You know, but some people don't see that. They don't. They don't have that paradigm. That, that yeah. paradigm shift. But but we definitely have it, and God has definitely confirmed it. I tell you, I, I even get uh, had a call from a lady from Fort Pierce that was sharing with me that uh, God had shown her the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles is happening right now. Spread the word, act on it, start doing it. And so uh, she has a radio show as well, and so she's going to bring this to her community and share it on the radio. Uh, and of course, I believe that it's definitely something that's happening right now. Um, once again, uh, you'll perish if you don't hear his voice because you're listening to these other voices, you know. Uh, so here's a great question for you, Ryan. Why is it so important to not listen to all the other voices 
and hear God's voice. Well, so first and foremost, Deuteronomy 8.20 says that if I don't listen to his voice, then I'll perish. It's not going to work out. So that's not going to work out. But, um, you know, in order to answer this question, I was pondering it, and I just kind of thought, well, what are the other voices that I need to make sure don't don't distract me or drown out the voice of God? Um, and so there's there's voices of your family. There's voices of the people at your work, your coworkers, or your school. Um, there's the voice uh, inside yourself that you know you're battling the flesh. You know um, that you know. I, I think that that probably me. That's the person that I battle with the most. Is is the voices inside of me? It's not worth it. You know, you're not you're not doing it right. Um, you know, you're not good enough you know, whatever those voices are, but that's not what God says. God says, keep going. He says, keep my covenant. He says, I love you. He says, you know, call me Abba. He says, you know, all those wonderful things. And so I think hearing God's voice is, is super important. And how can I do that? Um, I think it's important to be intentionally seeking after God, to say it, stay in relationship with Him, because then you'll hear His voice. It's awesome, you know. Uh, so we've done chapter seven and eight. Let's move to Deuteronomy chapter nine. Uh, here we have uh, an interesting uh, title: "God will destroy Israel's enemies." Duh. God will destroy Israel's enemies, and so uh, the Lord was going to destroy Israel's enemies like a consuming fire. Deuteronomy nine three. Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is He which goeth over before thee. As a consuming fire, he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee. Wow. So let's move on here as we do a little recap as well. And, and, and we're going to be reflecting with Moses on certain uh, circumstances and incidents. So uh, the children of Israel had to cross the Jordan River in order to enter the promised land. Uh, and once again, it goes into uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 6 through 21. Uh, Moses reflects on the sin of the golden calf incident with the children of Israel. He reflects on this. And of course, he says that, hey, I was on top of the mountain before the golden calf incident for 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. Very interesting. Who else was up on a mountain without food or water for well, 40 days? Well, you know, maybe that was Moses. Before, in the wilderness. But, no, but who but else? Actually, he was actually in the... Yeshua. That's right. That's right. Yeshua was in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, he comes down. He breaks the original two tablets, you know, and, uh, you know, because, you know, there, there's a joke that there's medicine in the Bible. Yeah. The, Moses <laughs> took two tablets. Yeah. And then he broke uh, all... Who's the biggest sinner in the Bible? Yeah. Moses, because he broke all Ten Commandments at the same and time. So, so he <laughs> broke the original two tablets. And so... But, but here's where it gets very interesting. Uh, Moses interceded for the children of Israel because of the golden calf incident. He, uh, he interceded for the children of Israel. And that's the thing that really stands out to me in the time in which I live right now. I have to do a lot of interceding for the people in this congregation and for this church, uh, for my family and relatives, whatever. But there has to be intercession uh, for Ephraim and for Judah, for the Jewish people. We have to make intercession, you know. Quit talking down on them. Quit talking about them, and let's intercede for them. That's right. Let's make intercession. So, so real quick, it. before before we jump uh, too far ahead, you know, the, uh, the golden calf incident is interesting. Um, and a haughty spirit comes before a fall. That's what um, uh, pride pride comes before a fall. That's what Proverbs says. But verse 4, if we just drag back, it says, Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, for my righteousness, the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. 
but for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. So I think it's interesting. It's his plan. It's it's well, it's his plan, and we're willing participants. So again, you know, the difference between righteousness and holiness. Holiness is being set apart. Righteousness is what we get from Yeshua. Our righteousness is his filthy rags. And so even in the Torah, God is saying, Look, your righteousness isn't good enough. I'm doing this for a couple reasons, not the least of which is my name and my word are on the line because I promise this to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even though you guys have long forgotten your fathers, I'm here to remind you of them and to let you know that the promise I made to them is still good to this day. And that because of them and because of what they their faith, you are reaping the benefits of, of this blessing. The same goes for us. How do we participate in this, even if we're not an Israelite by blood? We, through Christ, because of Yeshua, because we have put on Christ, we are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to we're this all, promise. We're all adopted. You so, know? That's awesome. So any inheritance we get is not because we merit it through our own righteousness, but because through the righteousness of Christ. That's right. Be- that we, we can it's do it. It's what he wants to give us. It's what you want, you know? So so once again, this is a book of remembrance. Deuteronomy is a book of remembrance. So let's get into Deuteronomy chapter 10. Uh, we have the second set of stone tablets. Uh, so once again, Moses did make another set of tablets for the Lord to write on. Yes, he did. You know, and we have this expression, hey, is that written in stone? <laughs> As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it is. You know about it is written in stone. I, I got to say that if I was if I was like Joshua and I'm watching Moses come down the mountain and he's like sees all the people and he gets angry and like he tries to throw he throws those tablets. I'm gonna be like no 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 wait wait. I mean that's written with the finger of God. I mean God hewn those stones out. Did you know this is what's amazing about Joshua being a successor for Moses? Man, he submitted to Moses. Oh yeah, for sure. He was there. You know people don't understand this, but when Moses went up the mountain for forty days and forty nights, right? He stayed at the base of that mountain because when Moses came down, he didn't even know what was going on that's in the right. camp. Oh, said, there's a there's a there's a message. He in said, that. "There's that sounds like war." There's a message in and that. And so what I'm saying is that loyalty will get you very far. <coughs> Not you know, only you loyalty, don't want to be disloyal, <clears throat> but keep your eyes on the mountain of God. I mean, that is incredible, <clears throat> you know. So so once again, uh, and we know that the Ten Commandments were written on the two tablets, and they placed them in the ark. So once again, a brand new set of tablets, and placed them in the ark. Just a little plug here um, for. Teshuvah, uh, season of Teshuvah. Uh, it's been said that that's when Moses went up for the month of Elul and part of Tishri, came back down with the second set of tablets. That's among the Jewish sages. So something to think about that he's the God of second chances, Ryan. Yep. You know, we all need a second chance. We all mess up and uh, thank God for that. That is awesome. And of course, you know, uh, we have to have a successor. We know that Joshua is going to succeed Moses. Uh, so I guess that's uh, Eliezer, uh, the son of Aaron, would take Aaron's place when he died. And uh, and he died. So Eliezer took his place. Uh, and just a little reminder, and who was the son of Eliezer? But Phineas, the great Pincus, right. who thrust the spear through the two unrighteous, unholy people that were outright blatant in their sin at the gate of the tabernacle. And he That's just right. took them out. And just like that, you know, not that we don't have any blatant sin right now, but I, I think we do. And so uh, Pincus was the third generation. He was. So as we begin to unfold this little tidbit, this little nugget for some of you, it's interesting that it says in Joel, and Peter quotes the prophet Joel, that in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will have visions, old men will dream dreams. I actually do a teaching on three generations. So Pincus was a third generation that was going to be remembered and honored and rewarded, and he would go into the land. So it's interesting that uh, I believe if we have three generations that have 
they're born again, have been filled with the Spirit, and have the Torah, that will be the third generation that goes into the land. So I don't know where that first generation starts. Uh, just to give you an example of, of my wife, my, my son Josiah, or if we want to even go, that's two generations, but if we want to go three, we could say Pastor Tifa, the mother, oh, yeah. the daughter is Danielle, and Josiah is three. So I don't know where that starts, Ryan. So really, my son's 18, so he could get married and have kids, and that would definitely be two generations I know of that is pretty, pretty pure in the sense of Hebrews of the Christian faith. So just something for all of you to think about, this three generations thing. And of course, uh, if Ryan can read Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Oh man, this is a good one. I, I, I love this verse. So here it is. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord, his statutes, which I command thee this day, for thy good. I mean, that's that's pretty clear. I was talking last night about uh, hermeneutics. Uh, that's a big fancy word that I don't know how to spell, um, but I've heard it before. But they, her- hermeneutics is basically the way that you study something, or the 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 method, or the principles behind what the way you approach a, a certain topic. And so you'll hear a lot of uh, Christian scholars talk about hermeneutical principles, and it's with those principles that you. Uh, you study the Bible. So, for example, a hermeneutical principle that is well known is the law of first mention. That whatever the definition was when it was first mentioned in the scriptures, that that is the definition throughout the scripture, that that's what, the, what we reference back to. And so you'll hear the law of first mention, that's a hermeneutical principle. Another principle is that the clear passages interpret the unclear passages. So sometimes we read the Bible, and there's certain parts of the Bible that maybe you know, could go either way. Like I read that and I'm like, you know, uh, I, I don't know if this is a translation error or what it is. And so what we do is we depend on the verses that are clear to help us interpret the verses that are not clear. So when I think about Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, pastor, would you say that this is a clear verse or would you say that this is a little murky and hard to talk to read? I think this is a clear verse. I mean, I think this is pretty darn clear. I think this clear. is literal. It, it absolutely is. And so thank you for using the word literal, because when we jump down to verse 16, um, and it talks about the uh, the circumcision of the heart, right? That you're going to f- circumcise the foreskin of your heart. A lot of people like to take the Bible literally. Now, I am a firm believer that where it, it, it is, has clear language, like in verses 12 and 13, to take it literally. But there are other parts that are literary, right? That are that, that have kind of a metaphoric principle to them. Right. <clears throat> Does God literally want you to cut the foreskin off of your heart? No. No, he does not. He does not want you... if you do it, you'll no longer be stiff-necked. No, but so here's the point, though, right? That there is no foreskin on your heart to circumcise. Right. So this is, a, this is a spiritual principle and not to be taken literally. And this is a, a point where sometimes people get very liberal with that ideology. I would say that I fall more on the conservative side that... When in doubt, take it literally, right. and then when you absolutely can't, you take it um, for what that's, it's worth. That's it, you know. And I think that we take it literally first and foremost. And you know, it's interesting because uh, it's about to love Him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Uh, but in Matthew chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-six and thirty-seven, it says here, uh, "Master, which is the great commandment in the law?" So they're approaching Yeshua. They're asking him. He says this. Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart." 
with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So Yeshua throws in there your mind, which is, you know, your, your mind. Get your mind. Love him with all your mind, you know, because we have the mind of Christ. So as we move on here, we know that uh, God promised to execute judgment for the fatherless and the widow. Find out who the fatherless and the widow are in your congregation. Take care of them. Uh, once again, God loves the stranger. God loves the stranger. Um, now, God was going to provide food and raiment or clothing for the stranger because his people were strangers in Egypt. You know, when you go out in the public sector of life, it's great to hold the door for somebody, you know, do all these things, you know. Uh, it's very important that you understand that. Uh, here's a great question. How many people went down to Egypt in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 22? Uh, that's going to be 70. 70. All right, I'm going to let Ryan take over uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, we have a great little title here, God's Great Acts. We're going to pick up on our little facilitator's outline here. Um, go ahead and take it from here. All right, so uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, unto their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until he came into this place. And what, and what he did <clears throat> unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their household and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Man, so verse 7 there. So what, what uh, did the younger generation see with their eyes? They saw all of the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Think about all the great acts he's shown us. Yeah, tell me about it. This is incredible, you know, and, and we continue on with the Lord was going to provide the first rain and the latter rain for his people. So uh, that's a picture of Yeshua. It says he will come to us as the former and the latter rain. Uh, that is really, truly a picture of Yeshua. And I'll, I'll tell you why, Ryan, because you know what? It says that, uh, Yeshua made a statement that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it can bear no fruit. Right. So it's a picture of Yeshua, I believe, coming in the fall feasts. And later in the fall, uh, late fall, they're planting seeds. Right. So there has to be rain at that time in order to plant those seeds and for them to take hold. And so when you get back into, of course, uh, the next rain would be when you're going to be harvesting the crops, uh, which would be what? In the spring. Yeah. That's when Yeshua died. Well, and, and what's cool about this, the first rain and the latter rain, is the, what does this represent? It represents the provision you need when you need it, the right thing at the right time. Oh, this is incredible, you know. And so God's Word was to be in their heart, soul, and on their hand and between their eyes. Absolutely. I mean, it's all right there, you know. And this is where the, the Jewish people take it literally with the, with the tefillim and the phylacteries and wrap it around their, their arm and, and putting it on their head, you know. And uh, it, it was interesting, you know. I had a, uh, I had a guest once. And, and it was interesting that uh, I was dropping him off somewhere and uh, I had noticed that on his arm were these marks. And so I looked, you know, and I could see where he, he had done the morning prayers uh, at my house and I saw the marks on his arm. And it's interesting because I was dropping him off somewhere and then I was going to prayer. 
So I thought, wow, this guy's already got a jump on me. You know, he's yeah, already did his, his prayers. He's Jewish. Yeah. So, wow, that just sent chills down my spine, you know, thinking, wow, you know, here we go. I'm going to my morning prayer at 10 to 12. And I dropped him off for a couple hours and then pick him up. But, but it was interesting how that all works out. And, and here we are reading these scriptures about the tefillim and the phylacteries and all that. Um, and so we go right into... And this is so important, uh, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, and you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Wow, that's incredible. And so the two places the word was to be written was on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You know, I noticed my boys put up a mezuzah on their on their doorpost in their bedroom. They they put one up. It's, it's yeah, nice. Awesome. It's like blue, and it's right there on their door. You know, yeah. and I thought, wow, this stuff's really happening. You know, yeah. and I didn't tell them to do it. Uh, praise God, they did it themselves. So you know, we need to have stimulating conversations. You know, uh, matter of fact, even Paul wrote one of his letters: "Don't argue over the Torah. Yeah. Discuss it. Have fun with it. Check it out. Praise Ask God. questions. You know, yeah. but don't fight over it. You know, uh, it doesn't make any sense. You no. know. Well, and, and so once again, you know, I, I love how." This is talking about you can bring up the word of God, you know, and, and ask great questions. So many times we're intimidated by people in a conversation. I just simply throw out questions, you know, especially in regards to some of these things that, that we read in the Bible. You know, man, if, it, if the law has been done away with, why does he bring it back? Yeah. Because it talks about the law will go forth from Zion, you know, and just ask the, the right questions. Well, because you know? this is the dispensational age of grace. I'll give you an example with my pastor no. friends, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, my pastor friends, I say... Yeah. I said, you know, I said, how come the church doesn't keep the feasts? And they just looked at me, you know, and I said, right here, it says that he's going to practice these feasts when he rules and reigns. We're going to be doing the feasts. Why wouldn't the church do them now? Yeah. And there's like crickets. I'm just saying it's a good question. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because it's, 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 it's taboo or whatever they're thinking it is, or, or that's been done away with. But if it's true... Why would he bring it back? So my faith would tell me if I do these things, I believe that I will be doing them later. Now, here we go. Last but not least, Deuteronomy eleven twenty five: There shall no man be able to stand before you. For the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon as he hath said unto you. Wow. You know why people treat you the way they do? They're afraid of you. Because yeah. you have the Holy Spirit, you have teachings and instructions, and you intimidate yeah. those spirits that are in other people. And so they're responding accordingly, you know. And it's just like when Yeshua would come up on a demon-possessed man, you know. They would freak out, you know. Oh, have you come to judge us? Is it, is it time? You know, and they're throwing themselves on the ground and stuff. And we can see some of these kind of, you know, the body language of some people and everything. They're, they're intimidated and they're, they're, they fear you. And remember, you always criticize what you don't understand. Right. That's what we do. We'll criticize something without understanding it. So I like that verse. Thank you, Father. We, we, we appreciate that. You know, uh, we, we, you know we, we fear you. We are in awe of you. But, but that's incredible, you know. So, so in conclusion here, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Ekev on the heel of Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 12, all the way through chapter 11, verse 25, from a consensus of the group. So what do you have, Ryan, for us in I've, closing? I got two things for you. So the first one is... Uh, if you want to hear God's voice and keep his covenant, you must intentionally seek him daily. Um, if you're not seeking the Lord daily, if you're not in prayer, if you're not in your Bible, uh, it's going to be very tough to hear his voice, and it's going to be very tough to keep his covenant. Uh, number two was, uh, it may sound like God's love and his blessings are conditional based on what you're reading here, 
but the blessings are built into the obedience. Um, you know, when God, God's ways are higher than our ways. So when he says, hey, do the, you know, the next Torah portion starts out with, behold, I set before you this day blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And so you're either obeying God and doing it his way, or you're obeying some other God, be it yourself that you, you know, worship as an idol, or you know, some other deity in some form or fashion. Bottom line is the that obedience brings the blessing, and that it's the that the blessing is built into the obedience, right? That sometimes these things are doing it his way is the better way, and that when you do it that way, you get a better result, which equals blessing. Yeah, that that's incredible, Ryan. I, I want to leave all of you with this one last thought, just to consider. You know, as I've been pastoring for going on 17 years this November, uh, I've seen a lot of things, Ryan. And, and so one of the things I've noticed in people is that you know, there's a lot more bad behavior. There's this, there's this falling away. Uh, it seems like the church is in a decline, you know, and you can do the numbers for yourself. You know, uh, numbers don't lie uh, as far as a true church, one that teaches the word. But, but I'm saying this uh, in all honesty, in my own observation, uh, we all love our phones and the computer and the internet and different things and music. But I, w- I want to share something with you to, just to consider. Uh, I was really seeking the Lord and, and why people are falling away and not as excited and uh, it's an interesting observation. This is public records. You can actually look this up yourself, or even do more of a study. It might just, you know, scare the heck out of you. But, you know, when you get on the computer or get on your phone, uh, all of your data is being traced. It's being recorded. Uh-oh. And it's, it's actually being used as commerce or it's being used as merchandise. It's, it, they're using it to, to, to actually persuade you, okay? Or, and so what happens is if you like something, they're going to keep feeding you that. So when you go on there, they're going to say, just like on Netflix, well, if you like this, you're going to like that. And, and the reason why I'm telling you that is because what hap- what's happening is we want to be stimulated with vision and hearing and, and those senses because the eyes are never satisfied. And so we want to yeah. constantly be stimulated, Ryan. So what happens is it's like when Jesus was at the well with this, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she had been married five times and even had a boyfriend at that time. So basically what he told her was, hey, listen. If you want to worship God, you have to worship him in spirit and in truth. So what's happening, Ryan, is if you have to sit in a sanctuary and you can't be stimulated with your flesh, that's where your spirit's broken. Because your spirit is wanting to release prayer and worship and the word. But what we've done is we've been hijacked by the flesh, the 17 works of the flesh. And and I know there's a contrast between the flesh and the spirit, but I'm telling all of you this for your own good. There's nothing wrong with going on the World Wide Web, but it's a web for a reason. Yeah. Because it's a sticky situation. You know, I like to look things up. I like to do things as well, but we've got to be able to put these things down and do spiritual exercises. Uh, just just consider this. Just think about it. Why is there apostasy? Why is this happening? Because God must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. And truth isn't going to stimulate you, see? And the spirit isn't going to stimulate you because you're used to a physical, 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 you're looking for something physical yeah. to stimulate you. Carnal. Like a caffeine or, or you know, the, the, this is all part of the brain, everybody. So I'm even telling you, I got to be cautious, you know, because we can just fall away like, like, like the, the frog in the kettle, you know, slowly but surely 
we've just faded away and it didn't happen overnight. You know, uh, I just started going to the gym and uh, it feels good. And so the Ooh. cool thing is I got to stay with it. Yes. You know, I got to yes. stay with it. Consistency And so is once again, I was thinking about this when I was on the treadmill, huffing and puffing a little bit. <laughs> I said to myself, man, I didn't get here overnight, Ryan. No. And it's not going to happen overnight. But if I stay with it, you know, and so once again, this is just a little tidbit for you to, to, to think about some things because we can't just go with the status quo. We can't just go along with what's happening around us. It even says in the Bible that we would snatch people out of the fire. Yeah. We would lead many to righteousness. So so where is this longing for the Messiah, you know? And, and think about this, Ryan. I was I was just thinking as well, what is it to gain the world and lose your and soul? Lose your soul? Yeah. Now, listen, I went back and looked at that, Ryan. And you know how you lose your soul? If you're not at the feet of Jesus, that's right. I was looking at that and Yeshua was saying, you need to sit at my feet. You need to be near me, be with me. Otherwise you're going to lose your soul. So think about it. It's actually a person. Yeshua is a person. He's not an ideology. He's a real person that wants to, wants us to, 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 to pray in his name and to do all these things. So think about it, everyone. Times have changed. Is the technology really helping us to be better people? Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, um, you know, consistency is key. And when I look at the commandments of God, um, there comes times where we have to make big decisions. And if we haven't been making the right little decisions all along, then it's much more difficult to make the bigger decisions. Um, you know, I, I think it says, uh, what? I guess I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here, but it says, um, don't be hearers only of the word, but doers, be doers you know, of the deceiving word. yourself. You know, you don't want to deceive yourself by just being a hearer. You can't just read your Bible. The idea is to get it off the page and into action. So praise God, man, what a lot of stuff in this Torah portion of Kev. Deuteronomy, whew, I tell you what, between it and Genesis, I have trouble choosing which one's the best book in the Bible. I guess that's why we just choose Leviticus on your side, huh? Is that how that works? Absolutely. So, uh, Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions or you need anything, uh, please uh, just email me, ryan at topraise.net. Also, if you need prayer, uh, if you want information on the Daniel Fast uh, or anything like that, don't forget to go to our website at topraise.net for live streaming and also to give. And uh, if you guys, like I said, need anything, you can uh, email me or call the office at 813-654-2222. God bless you guys. Have a great week.